I want to talk to you for a few moments about the preeminence of Christ. Nobody like Him. Nobody like Him. He's God. Amen? And we've come today to worship Him. I know Brother Gordon's heart. I know my heart. Thank the Lord for those kind things. And, and you know, if we have any crowns, they're only implements to lay at Jesus' feet. Because when we see Him, He's going to be worthy of all the glory and all the praise. And whatever we've done and whatever we've been able to accomplish, it's all to His glory. You know, I, I think the, I want you to take your Bible for a few moments. And we're just going to spend a few moments. I, I, I mentioned to my precious wife, I said, you know, I, there, what do you say in a meeting like this? And, and uh, as the longer I studied and thought... There are so many things I'd like to say, but this is one thing we've learned. God does what He does just because He's God. And uh, back in the day, we did a lot of music. And a few weeks ago, I had the privilege of leading our choir in singing a Brooklyn Tab song about He's God. And I'm telling you, when you look at everything, that God has ever done. Underneath that is the foundation of the fact that the eternal, infinite, all-powerful God is in control. And we are sitting at His feet this morning, and the Holy Spirit is in this place. And I'm praying that the Lord will speak to all of our hearts. I want to speak to us collectively, but I'm praying the Holy Spirit of God will speak to us individually. So that when we leave here, we take something home. Something that will help us live for Him this week. Something that will strengthen our lives and our homes. You know, it's been such a, an incredible time here. And, uh, this week we came in last Monday and we've driven around. And I've been by the old baseball field that I played on in high school probably six or eight times. Walked out on it. Still got sand burrs on the thing. Y'all know, you know what I'm talking about? And uh, you don't know where that field is. Probably most of you don't. But right down W Street, where Beverly and W Street come together, is where I played most of my high school career. My mother was in the car with us, and she said, Oh, my goodness, Brad, that's where you got your mouth busted. I took 17 stitches. I was an old catcher, you know, and back in the day, and I was guarding the plate. We were already ahead. There were two outs. The batter dribbled the ball back to the pitcher like stupidity. I took my mask off. I stand there with my glove. I just knew that he had thrown it to first base. He picked up the ball and threw it back to me. And I'm going like this and trying to guard the plate. And the boy came right down like that. And he went, pow, and busted my mouth wide open. Seventeen stitches. But I still got him out. But man... What memories in all these places are just overwhelming. And you know, the, it's, it's good sometimes isn't it, to go back and see what God has used in your life and see the people that He's used in your life and the places. And that's why I think it's so important for Memorial Day. And, and Pastor, I want to thank this church for being such a leader of honoring those men and women who served. Um, my wife and her sister are here today. Their dad was Colonel Scott. He was in the Second World War. He was a pilot. 
and uh, one of four boys. And at one time, all four sons in that family were fighting in the war overseas. Only two of them came back. One of the other two who did come back was never the same. And uh, that home, like so many hundreds and thousands of others, but they always knew that they had a father who loved God, loved his country, and gave his life. And for us, Memorial Day is more than a holiday. It is a celebration of bravery and a celebration of sacrifice that helps us to have the kind of service we're having today. Amen? And we honor those who've done that kind of thing. What a great thing. But I was thinking about, as we get ready to go into our message today, uh, two, three weeks ago, Maydell and I decided to have a date night. We still do that, by the way. Uh, Fifty years, don't we, baby? Hey, they're better now than they were then, because I didn't know much back then. I know a lot more now than I did then. Okay. But... So we decided to go see the film 42. Anybody seen 42? And the story of Jackie Robinson and uh, his early days and, and, and baseball. And man, you know, I just stirred up so much. And I thought, wow, that's, that's good. My dad encouraged me so much. And he traveled all the time. And, and uh, I never knew when he'd show up to a ball game. But we were playing a baseball game my senior year. And uh, he had a little special name for me. You know, and and wasn't ever supposed to be used outside, but started when I was about this. Call, he called me Sugar Boy. Now that's not very complimentary out in public. Y'all know that, not for a young man. And I remember we were playing up at Jay, and they had a great baseball team, and I think they were one run ahead of us. It was in the ninth inning, and uh, he had traveled a long way to get to the ball game. I had no idea he was there. Came my time to bat. We had two guys on base. And I stepped up there. You know, I don't know why you do this, but you hit you, you know, you baseball players. You know what I'm saying. You always hit you. What does that mean? I mean, you ain't got anything on your cleats anyway, but you're just, just letting everybody know you're there. You know, I, I'm, I just showed up. You know. So I got up there and I get in bat and I stand there and I'm getting ready to, you know, take a pitch. And I hear this voice coming out of the stand. Come on, sugar boy! Oh, God. <laughs> and man, that other, that other team started doing just what you did. They started, come on, sugar boy! Come on, sugar boy! Hit the ball, sugar boy! And I was so mad. I was about to, I could have killed somebody at that moment. I looked it over him and I, I saw the look on his face. He knew that he had put me in an awkward spot. And all of a sudden, my whole thing came and I said, God, just once, let me honor my dad. And they were just jeering, and I stepped up there, and that old boy put that ball there, and I gave that thing a ride in the woods. <laughs> As I came around third base, he said, Where to go, sugar boy? <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't say nothing. And we won the game. Hallelujah. You know, I believe one day when we get to heaven, we're going to hear a lot of that. I watched the film again, 1992 Olympics, when a young man by the name of Derek was running. Some of you have maybe seen that back and forth. 
He was one of the great runners in the world at that time. He had already missed the Olympic because something happened to him before. He had to drop out. This year they felt like it was his only chance. He and his dad, his dad's name was Jim, he was, uh, they were there at the Olympics. He had tried, came down to the last heat before the final. And he was running around the track. Stands were screaming. It was evident that he was going to win. And all of a sudden, you see him fall on the track. And he lost the muscle right on the back of his leg right here. And the crowd, ooh, it was a brutal thing. The other runners were going on. They started out on the field with a stretcher. But from the top of the stands came this big guy lumbering down like this. Over the fence. No authority to get inside there at the Olympics. He ran out there. They tried to keep the mouth. And he said, that's my boy. And we're going to run this race. And history will record. Long after everybody else had finished. That dad and that boy hobbled across the goal line together. Amen? You may be struck, you may be healthy, you may be strong, but I want to talk to you about a God who does not fail. And I want to just put in our hearts and minds this morning, as we celebrate this incredible week, a couple of three thoughts. When you look in the Bible, the Lord says to us, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are higher than yours, as the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts and your ways. Isaiah 44 says, The Lord, I am the first, I am the last, and besides me there is no God. That's our God. And then he says this, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. If you have your Bible open to the book of Colossians, I want us to look at just a few verses here that will just be the foundation. And I will move through this quickly, but I do pray, and I've prayed all night almost, that God would give somebody here a thought that could literally change your life in your realization of who this God really is. In verse 14, starts talking about Jesus this way. In whom we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins. Who is the image, the image of the invisible God? The firstborn of every creature, for by Him were all things created that are in heaven and earth, visible, un- invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, all things, He might have... The preeminence. Passage tells us a lot about our God. It tells us that in Him we have redemption. In Him we have forgiveness. In Him we look upon and we actually see God. 
The firstborn of every creature. He stands at the head of the line of all creation. John chapter 1 says in the beginning, he was, the Word was with God. The Word was God. All things were made by Him. And listen to this. Without Him, there was not anything made that was made. He, I love the fact. We're studying right now the seven wonders of the spiritual world in my class. And the concept of it is this. God started what we call the beginning, and He said, but I know the end from the beginning. And so He started everything having already been to the end. He had been in eternity. He's already experienced heaven. He's already knows what hell looks like. He is there. And so He comes all the way back to the beginning and creates a garden, creates man in light of the fact of where we're going. Hallelujah. He's amazing. He creates the beginning with the concept of the end. And He's our God. Behind Him are all things created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. All things were created by Him. He's God. He is the one who holds the universe together by the power of His hand, the Bible says. He's the firstborn from the dead, resurrected with, and with a transformed body. You want to know what we will look like? He is our elder brother. Now, there are always a little different characteristics, right? I have three sons. You've got to see all of them. The one that has the gray beard, not much hair, is my Rusty. He's the one who took over the church and is now pastoring that church. He's there preaching today. He's the youngest. The one that looked like he wasn't very old is the oldest. Now, how did that happen? <laughs> Rusty says, it's not age, it's miles. Yeah. I got lots of miles on me. And he does. Somebody asked me the other day, will we know each other in heaven? Absolutely. We're going to have more fun than you can imagine. I think we'll walk down the street. And I'll say, man, there's a... Hello, Jason sang that song. Oh, go, come here, man. I want you to sing for me. Come down here. Step out here. You know, no, I'm just kidding. I don't mean right now. But he was ready. Did y'all see that? I love you, son. You're all right. We're going to know each other. But we're going to all be like the first begotten from the dead. We're going to all have the aspects of Jesus. Family resemblance. Amen? And you see, the Lord says that's important. We'll have a a resurrected body. Why? It concludes this passage by saying that He might have the preeminence in all things. That's an interesting word. The word preeminence there is the Greek word proteu. It means to be first in rank, in influence, in power. To stand at the front of the line. Wow. That in all things, Brother Gordon, when it's all wrapped up, the one standing in front of the line is going to be our Savior. Now, with those things in mind, I want to leave three thoughts to you. We're in a world today when we're in a situation not only in politics, in religion, in education... In development, I have a new heart. Most of you know that I got a heart transplant ten years ago. I have no idea whose heart it was. 
I thank God for the privilege of being able to live. But when I was at Duke University Hospital, they said, one of these days, you will be able to have your own organs cloned by your body. They said they'll take a little bit of your DNA and they'll be able to grow from that any organ that goes bad. I thought, that is crazy. You see, the the one thing about getting a transplant is rejection. I take medicine every day. I take two handfuls of medicine, one in the morning, one at night. And what they're fighting is that this this old body fights that new implant in my heart. Sort of like the old man fighting a new man, right? And, 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 that, and I have to take that medicine every day. I heard just a few weeks ago, they said, we've been able to do it. And they're talking about taking some of your DNA and actually putting it in a DNA bank. And if you're under 50, hurry up. And if you're over 50, your DNA is not really good anymore. I mean, it is, but it's not as active as the young guys. Isn't that crazy? He said, we can grow you a new heart. We can grow you this. And there will be no rejection. And you say, preacher, what is that trying to say? I believe the Bible says knowledge will run to and fro on the earth right toward the end. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe we are living closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ in the earth. And I believe He could come before we got... Wouldn't it be fun just to go right tonight? Hey, we'd be waving everybody. Hey, look at there. Hey, y'all like what I'm wearing now. Look at this robe I got. You know. Woo! It could happen in a moment. The twinkling of an eye, the Bible says. There are three things that I want you to think about God. Because one of the things that concerns me, Brother Gordon, is that we have quite a movement right now within theologians to try to limit God. He is a, you can't limit an infinite God, ladies and gentlemen. If you were saved by the blood of Christ, there is nothing in the universe that can come against that because you have been saved by an infinite sacrifice. There's nothing. And when you look at this, we cannot limit or we cannot even stop God. Number one, because He is an infinite God. And I want to go on to say this. If He's an infinite God, His cross becomes an infinite sacrifice. Not limited atonement. Not God died for some. My Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that... What's the next word? Whosoever does what? Believes in Him, what happens? Shall what? Have how much? Everlasting life. How do you limit an infinite atonement? You don't. And when we take an old boy that walks down these aisles, I was here last year when I had the big sportsman thing. And all those guys started raising their hands. Man, I like to have a stinking spell right here. And I was trying to say, keep you cool. So, I mean, you're not supposed to do that. But I was thinking, every one of those who reached out by faith and took a hold of Jesus Christ were saved from an eternal hell to an eternal heaven. Hallelujah. 
Why? Because He is an infinite God. His cross, therefore, becomes an infinite sacrifice. But beyond that, He has infinite compassion. Infinite compassion. His compassion cannot be limited. God loved the world. And not only that, thirdly, if He is an infinite God, His call is infinite. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. I never will forget when I was a teenager, our church was a whole lot like this one. Those of you who were back in the day, that's why I love this church. I never will forget, I was down in, anybody here remember Trader Joe's? I mean, Trader John. Right down there on the end. It may have been Joe or John. I can't remember which one of the brothers that was. But anyway, y'all remember that place? We were down there. We had our teenagers down there handing out tracts. That wasn't a very good thing, but it worked. I saw this old guy sitting on the curb. And I went down and I was probably 15. I sat down beside him. I said, hey man, how are you? Doing pretty good right now. <laughs> I said, my name's Brad Price. He said, really? I said, I've come to you down here to tell you that God loves you. He looked at me, and I began to tell him about Jesus. He said, oh, I know them hymns. I said, really? He said, yeah, I know that one called Amazing Grace. I said, really? Oh, yeah, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a winch like me. That's not what it says. It says wretch, but he interpreted this winch. I just said, well, he's close. He is close. Went through the Bible, and that old drunk accepted Jesus. When he got through tears, down that old face and in his beard, and he took off his dirty shoe, and reached way down in it, and got a $5 bill. And he said, Son, you've done more for me today than anybody's ever done for me in my whole life. I want you to take this $5 bill. I didn't want that $5 bill. I didn't know where the thing had been. You know, but <laughs> beside that, I said, hey, man, listen. You know what? God's freely given this eternal life to all of us. He said, well, I'm going home tonight, and I want to thank you. You know what that is? That's a limitless God who's extended a limitless call to anyone who will believe. He's limited because he, he's unlimited because he's an infinite God. He's unlimited because he's an intimate God. His plan cannot be limited. Psalm 139 says that you were designed on his board. I was designed. You are what I call a prescription baby. You say, what do you mean by that, Brother Price? I mean, God looked at a world and he said, I see a need. I go to the doctor, Dr. Tech checks us out. He said, you have a need, and I'll give you this prescription, right? And we take that prescription. God looked at the world, and He said, I have a need. And out of that need He saw, He wrote you, designed you as a prescription baby. And God never gets away from your call. The Bible says the calling 
of the Lord is without repentance. So he never changes his mind. I created you with a purpose. That means individually God designed you. He is intimate in His plan. He's infinite in His promises. They cannot be limited. It says in, in Romans 4, And being fully persuaded that what He has promised, He will also perform. And then He is intimate in His preparation. God, in His infinite wisdom. I can tell you this. Madel and I, in 50 years, have had some great days. We've had some hard days. We've had some sad times. Anybody here ever had a hard time? Anybody got scars on you? Got some scars on your heart? You know what God finally taught me? You know what a scar is? A scar is a wound that is healed. Right? A scar is a wound that's healed. Why do you think the Lord still wears the scars in heaven? We're not going to have any scars. He's going to walk around. Because our scars are our greatest witness to God's protection and God's infinite care. And I look at my scars and I say, God, you didn't fail me in the middle of the battle. You didn't fail me when everything else was going wrong. God, you are an infinite God. You cannot be stopped. Not only because you're infinite, but because you are intimate. Never leave you. Never forsake you. And the last thing I want to talk about is God is inescapable. God is waiting for you. His presence cannot be limited because He never leaves us. God is walking with you. God is working in you. His presence, His perception, and His purpose is in your life. There are two kinds of people in this auditorium. Always are. There are those who are on their way to heaven. You heard the knock of God at your heart. And what did you do? The Bible says, Behold, it stands the door and knock. Anybody who will open the door, I'll do what? Come into Him. And there was a point in our lives, if you know Christ, when you felt that conviction and you felt God knocking at your heart's door, and you opened the door and He came in. There's other people who Christ is still outside. But I want to tell you something. Through rain and shine, through winter and summer, through good times and bad times, your Heavenly Father has sent the Holy Spirit of God to knock on your door and say, I love you and I want in your life. And He is inescapable. I will either embrace Him in this life or I will on the other side say, You're right, God. I didn't receive You, but You're right. And if I go to hell, I will walk through hell's fire forever acknowledging the fact that You are right. Amen. God is God on. He's our Heavenly Father. He is infinite. He is intimate. And He is inescapable.
Don't try to limit what God can do. Don't try to limit what God can do for you. I wish I had time to tell you. I wish I had time to tell you the story of how I came to get a heart. You know, it's not really nice when people actually write your death certificate out. You realize that, right? I mean, that wasn't nice. But they did. And they told my wife, y'all go ahead and make all the arrangements. He cannot make it. I was in the woods hunting by myself. Had a defibrillator already in. So far back it took sunshine about three days to get in there. Up in a tree. And I felt my heart going. Knew what it was. Miracle one, my phone rang. Uh, my phone worked. I called my sweetheart. And I said, baby, this is it. And I'll see you in heaven. And I want you to know I love you with all my heart. And I called one of the men in our church. Big old raw bone kind of a guy hunted with him. And his name was Mike. I said, Mike, I need some help. You know where I am. Come get me. He said, Preacher, I'm already up, but I'm 45 minutes away. And at that point, I got on my knees. Because if you know anything about congestive heart failure, I had a big, huge, huge heart. I got on my knees and I just committed my life to the Lord. They said my defibrillator went off nine times, which means my heart stopped nine times. It was at least an hour and a half after I had that heart attack that the guys got me to the hospital. Mike came, climbed up in a tree stand where I was, put me on his shoulder. He weighed more than I did. And I, there was about five or 600 pounds of us coming down that ladder. All the time he was saying, "Oh God, don't let those ladder, don't let don't let those ladder things break." You know, got me on the floor, intubated me. Couldn't get an ambulance back there, so they had put the paramedics in the back of a four-wheel drive truck. Took me out, got me to the hospital. You know anything about when I got there? My blood oxygen was forty, and had been that way for months. And he told my wife later, he said, if he does live, he'll just be like a vegetable. You can't do without oxygen to the brain. Thank God I have an excuse for forgetting. For <laughs> Fever went to 106. Everything shut down. Dean was there. My best friend said, he's gone. They got around and started planning the funeral. My youngest daughter said, y'all acting like he's already dead. Have you forgot we got to pick God? He ain't dead yet. I mean, she didn't use that kind of bad English because she was kind of educated, but I mean, that's what she was saying. <laughs> he ain't dead yet. My wife said, you know what, baby? I, I agree with you. And people were praying. Brother Gordon was praying. He came to see me. Didn't think I'd live, did you, Gordon? God Almighty moved in. I mean, I was so far... I was mostly dead. I mean, I was really mostly dead. God heard our prayer. Churches all over America praying. You know what? We got a big God. And I stand before you today...
to praise His holy name for what God can do. He is infinite. He is intimate. He is inescapable. He is God.